Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Star Wars Ranked. Me and a guest, today just me, ranking a topic five to one. Here in the Star Wars galaxy today, the best fist 
pumping moments in the Star Wars movies. We're sticking to the movies. I could easily have picked some moments in the Clone Wars, Rebels, comics, novels, YA novels, coloring books. But you know what? We're going to concentrate on the movies here today. It's one of the great reasons to be a fan now, all this new canon to choose from. But the best fist-pumping moments in the movies. And we're going to induct one of the moments into the Hall of Fame. Take it off the list entirely. Put it up there in the Hall of Fame, the Star Wars ranked Hall of Fame, and say, uh, we can't even factor. It's so good, we just would assume it's going to be there. What is a fist-pumping moment? Well, I think describing my favorite moments will help describe what that means to me, what fist-pumping moments. But it is those moments in the Star Wars film where the action, the tension, the explosion of the tension, the solution to the tension, the music, the acting, the momentum, the uh, look, the feel of the moment, all of it kind of comes together in this wonderful fist-pumping excitement where you just kind of even sometimes literally pump your fist, grit your teeth, and go, yeah, what a moment. I think Star Wars is full of a lot of them, and, you know, we'll see where my choices land with you guys. This is why I say this is a conversation starter. You, you can always use the hashtag Star Wars Ranked on the Twitter, as Chris Jericho used to say, and join that conversation. But I don't want to wait anymore. It's you and me, kids. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's go first to the Hall of Fame. That's right. We've done this before here in Star Wars Ranked. This is where I just think you... You know, you kind of have to say these ones are just, they're just beyond any list. We got to assume they're there. So for our fist pumping moment, Hall of Fame induction, please welcome to the stage. Han comes back to save Luke at the end of A New Hope and Luke blows up the Death Star. I think this is the standard bearer. This is the bar being set for all future fist-pumping moments. And I think, um, you know, if maybe I was ranking this with the guests, this would make sense that this would be on there. But I know it's just me, and I had it on my list, and I kept making my list. And I was like, you know what? I, I just think this one's, this one's above it all. This one is above it all, uh, you know, in a good way. Like I said, I think it kind of sets the standard. So we are inducting this moment into the uh, Star Wars-ranked Hall of Fame. Go back to 1977 if you're in the theater watching this for the first time or whenever you're watching this movie for the first time and you, you have no real frame of reference of what's going to happen. And I say that now because I think now with some blockbuster filmmaking, uh, not just Star Wars but other ones, you know, they, they can sometimes seem predictable because we've seen a lot of these before, even if they're great. Even if, you know, the first Avengers, it's a great film, but, you know, it's kind of predictable how the third act will go. I think that's a problem with a lot of superhero movies, and that, that certainly can be the, the, the problem with, with Star Wars movies or Star Wars stories. We're just trained. We know the hero's journey. We've seen it so many times. We've read the books. We've seen the documentaries. We know what uh, makes these stories up, uh, which is why this moment in 1977, particularly if you go back to 1977, I don't think it was as prevalent, at least not in this big way. And I love... Thinking you can find it on YouTube, definitely just the internet in general. The audio from a crowd, a movie theater crowd in 1977, cheering wildly for this moment. 
And we've talked about it on Force Center before. I think it's just a great little uh, time capsule of fandom back then. All of us learning. I wasn't there, but all of us learning for the first time. I was one watching Star Wars at a drive-in theater with my parents. I didn't do any cheering, just crime. But we're all just learning what this, you know, this hero's journey on this big screen. Because a lot of, you know, a lot of people who saw Star Wars in 77 might not have read Joseph Campbell novels or, or books and probably weren't as familiar with the Hidden Fortress or, you know, Seven Samurai, all those other kind of stories. All those things that Lucas was drawing from and 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 and, and being inspired by. But Han comes back. He walks away. He takes the money and runs. And our little favorite farm boy is flying his spaceship. And his new robot buddy's been shot useless. He's there. And we're all worried about R2. Except for in the control panel, uh, control room on Yavin 4. I always love that C-3PO kind of looks up concerned when R2 gets blasted. And like no one reacts. Poor 3PO. Poor R2. But at least he gets saved. And we think, we don't know, is this going to happen? It's a ticking clock. Vader's bearing down. Wedge is gone. Vader's destroyed Luke's childhood friend. (sighs) Can he pull it off? Then he shuts off his targeting computer. He shut off his targeting computer. What? We don't know what's going to happen. And what, indeed, is the last sound we hear from Darth Vader? As Han Solo returns, you're all clear, kid, let's blow this thing and go home. It is truly an all-time fist-pumping moment, the one that we should compare all moments to. All moments of Star Wars excitement, I think, spring from this moment, which is why we are putting it into the Star Wars-ranked Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Han and Luke. You're in there. You've earned it. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. 
With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With that pomp and circumstance out of the way, I think it's time to get to my list, starting with number five. If the destruction of the first Death Star makes its way onto this list with a great fist-pumping moment contained within that sequence, then I think the destruction of the second Death Star should be on this list as well, and this particular moment. The Death Star is exploding. Wedge, he's already hit that power regulator of the North Tower, and he's on his way out. He's safe. Good moment for Wedge. But the Millennium Falcon. General Lando Calrissian flying it with Nine Numb there. And others. Let's not forget the Rebels who were in the cockpit and the command crew. Two gunners. Probably someone sitting at that navigation computer talking to L3. I wonder if someone was just sitting at the Dejeric table hoping they survive. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think Lando put his capes back into the Falcon for this mission? I don't know. Maybe someone was watching the capes. But everyone is, everyone's there. Everyone's there, and we don't know. The flames are going around the Falcon. Now, if Lawrence Kasdan and others might have had their way, this would have been the moment that maybe Lando died. Urban legend says this was actually shot. I don't know if that's actually true. But boom, the Falcon explodes out of the burning, exploding, fiery infrastructure of the second Death Star and with a mighty scream, wow, Lando announces his safety and presence. The second Death Star is about to explode, implode, and just turn into a million pieces. And Lando... He's safe. It is, for me, an underrated moment. It's weird to say underrated for something like Return of the Jedi, this giant generational film that is still the favorite for many Star Wars fans. Just talk talk to uh, Baby Carrot's Mark Ellis, man. He loves Return of the Jedi. It is his favorite. I still think it's the favorite of Jennifer Landa, with good reason. This is that moment. This is the movie's big moment. There's some great stuff with Luke, don't get me wrong, but this is what I mean by fist-pumping moment. It's where everything explodes. The action just is on the screen, and you have a big release. Oh, yes, and you pump your fist. That is why this is my number five. Lando screaming with joy and probably a little bit of relief. He left the safety of being a smuggler and a Baron administrator of Cloud City to do this, and he's alive, he's safe, and he and Nine Numb and the crew of the Falcon, they done good for the rebellion. My number four. All right, here we go. We're jumping ahead a few years into Star Wars' future and movies. The Disney era arrives. My number four is Ray and Kylo Ren going back back-to-back to fight the Praetorian Guards. There is a moment that precedes this, which is great and almost on my list, though I think there's one better, and that is Rey reaching up and catching the, uh, the hero's blade after it chops Snoke in two. And that is 
That's like the setup. Everyone did cheer the first times I saw that in the theater. Like every time, big moment, hoots and hollers. There were some fists being pumped. But when she stands and turns to face Kylo and you see the glow of his red blade against his face, you think for a moment, did he just kill Snoke? And now he intends to do the same to Rey. I don't think any of us would have thought Rey would have gone in that moment. But hey, how's this going to go? And to, hey, maybe some people's chagrin, but definitely not to mine. Kylo starts to move, and Ray realizes what's happening, and they go back to back in a beautiful slow motion sequence and shot. And the eight Praetorian guards, a little late on the job, we might add, they're there to protect Snoke, didn't do that good of a job. They come racing at him. It is a great fight, but it is that moment. That moment that I go again to the first time you see these moments, these films, and you're in a theater around people, it didn't matter if I saw it at the, at the premiere, at a press screening, which is usually more muted, or with uh, you know the, the good old, the good fans, the real fans who pay the tickets um, sitting there uh, in, the, uh, in the theaters that opening weekend when I saw it. Man, this was the moment. The cheers, the fist pumps. In this moment, you think, hey, maybe your Raylo theory is confirmed. Maybe Ray is going dark and that theory is confirmed for you. Or it's not about your theories being confirmed. You, like me, were just in the moment. And that moment was a fist-pumping moment to me. It's one of my all-time favorite Star Wars moments. And every time I watch it, the entire throne room sequence is, is, is some of my favorite, in, uh, favorite sequences in Star Wars. I think in large part because, like me, Ryan Johnson loved the throne room scene in Return of the Jedi. I mean, that shot of Luke hopping out, it's not quite a fist-pumping moment, but him hopping out, popping out, screaming no, fighting Vader, the the chorus, the the singers, the choir pumps in and the music just rises. That is maybe my favorite Star Wars moment, just on screen. Uh, but it's a little different. It's it's a little more big, uh, a little, little less fist pumpy, and more just like the sagas coming to a, uh, a head at that moment. At least back in '83, it was. With this particular moment, this is what's fist pumping for me because you you just got thrown a couple of curveballs, not knowing what's going to happen. Like boom, suddenly out of nowhere, um, Snoke's dead, and and again, it's not about the theories or anything like that, but it's just like, wow, what, where's the story going to go? And now they're fighting, and it's an epic shot. And then I love when it picks back up, and by then, the cheering has stopped, and the, and the fists have stopped being pumped, and now you're just watching the story and going in a direction that maybe you didn't see coming, or even then, it does a double swerve back. I love that moment. It's a beautiful moment, and that's why it's my number four fist-pumping moment. We're talking lightsabers, which means we need to go to my number three, and it is Luke igniting the green above the Sarlacc pit. That's right. little shout-out to R2 for his part in this as well. This one, I tell you, again, I guess it speaks highly of Return of the Jedi that I already have two moments on this list for me. And sometimes that movie falls down the, uh, you know, the Ken Napsok official ranking of the Star Wars movies, which I got to tell you, don't put a lot of, don't put a lot of those rankings, you know, in general, they, they're always going to reflect what I feel. So when I say, hey, Last Jedi is like my second favorite Star Wars film right now, that, that's where it is for me. It's real. 
but it's going to change because Jedi sometimes pops into third. Sometimes Jedi falls as uh, Return of the Jedi falls as far as sixth for me. You know, there's some things I don't like about it there as you get older, but you got to go back to these moments. And I think Jedi is such a great closing chapter to the original trilogy because of these moments. And whereas Lando screaming for joy and relief as the second Death Star explodes, it's probably bigger to the story than this moment back here. There is just something so exciting and so like, yes, when Luke is about to fall to his death, jump into the Sarlacc pit. I remember as a kid, again, go back to when you're seven or eight, and I'm watching this for the first time in the theater. Fremont Theater, San Luis Obispo. Luke jumps, and I think I gasped. (gasps) He's going to die. This character I just kind of met. Because Jedi was the first I I, I remember a scene in the theater. New Hope I saw, but didn't remember, of course. So I'm like, this guy, he's got a cool black outfit. He's going to... Now keep in mind, I'd seen Luke ignite the green in the trailer. And that's actually one of the reasons I became a Star Wars fan. It's one of my lasting memories of seeing the trailer. But... You're seven or eight. You don't remember. There wasn't trailer breakdowns that you watched 42 of the trailer breakdowns before you sat in the theater for the first time. So when Luke jumps, I gasped. It's all seven years old. <gasps> and then he pops back up, leaps, puts his hand in the air, and poof, R2 shoots the saber into the sky. When Luke catches it and ignites that green lightsaber the first time right then and there, with just a look of, of, of accomplishment and pride on Luke's face. Like, like he's like, I don't know what my plan really was. We'll need Joseph Scrimshaw to help with some counseling on that in a few years, but I don't know what my plan was, but it's working now because I got this lightsaber and it's in my hand. And if you're a young kid, no matter when you're watching this movie, I think this will always stand the test of time as one of the best moments, especially for Luke. And that's why I think it's important to the Star Wars galaxy. Luke is the greatest hero of all time after all. They've been captured. They're about to be executed. The hero is on the brink of death and destruction. The journey's about to end. But boom, like a good adventure serial, obstacle, you get over it. Tension, solution to that tension. And this is that ultimate moment. I love it. Luke igniting the green has a lot of power. And again, that moment in the throne room later in Return of the Jedi is my, you know, I'd say my favorite Star Wars moment. But whereas that one is big and giant and epic, this one just gets you pumped. Go get them, bad guys. Leia's going to kill Jabba. Han's going to get his revenge on Boba Fett. And Lando's going to get him on out of there. It's a lot of fun. It's a great moment. Which means we're now at my number two fist-pumping moment. Oh, you knew it had to be on this list because I have talked about this before, probably too much for some of your uh, tastes, and I've called it a fist-pumping moment several times before. So my number two, from Rogue One, Admiral Rattus and the Rebel Fleet arrives. Blue Squadron's there, Red Squadron, Gold Squadron, they're all here. And this is Admiral Raddus of the Rebel Alliance. It is absolutely a fist-pumping moment. It gets me emotional. You can snicker all you want, but I'm so invested into that moment. And 
the movie, this is where I think Rogue, Rogue One really does succeed. Where sometimes the first and second act, I wanted a little bit more with the characters. I wanted one more moment with the team. I, I agree with some of those criticisms of, of, of Rogue One. And with what it went through with those dreaded reshoots and all that stuff, I see, I see where some things could have been done better or different. But it doesn't matter. By the time you get to Scarif, I'm so into this movie. So, so into this movie. And it does such a good job of the hero's land, all these obstacles. They're not going to make it. But you're thinking, there's no way this is going to go totally wrong. I mean, we know on some level they succeed. But, you know, in terms of the characters and everything, you're like, nah, nah, this is, this is dark. This is, this is dire, but it's going to work. And then it, it's not. It's starting to fail. And they're on their own. And as a Star Wars fan, knowing that this movie was about the opening crawl of New Hope telling us, striking from a hidden rebel base, the rebels get their, you know, their first victory. You hear, you're, you're expecting some kind of military movement, uh, a military strike, some kind of effort. And it's already, by the time you see Rogue One, it's, you know, it's not working. They had to sneak off. They had to sneak off. And there's a little bit before this where you, you know Admiral Raddus has taken his, his ships and gone and Mothma's smiling and everyone's scrambling for Scarif. So you kind of get a sense of what's about to happen. But I'm telling you, I was so there, so invested at that first moment where the fleet comes jumping out of hyperspace and then the profundity shows up. And Raddus's words just proclaiming the beginning of a movement. I'm telling you, it is, it is to me a super fist-pumping moment because you're thinking the rebels are going to be saved. This mission's going to happen. Now it is a fight. Now it is a war. I love that. I love that moment. It's one of the reasons I love Raddus. It's one of the reasons I love General Merrick and the Blue Squadron. There's some great shots in Rogue One that are almost... Just during the battle, they're almost just fist-pumping in their own right. There's that great shot where the Blue Squadron's now on the surface, uh, the surviving members of Blue Squadron, I should say, rest in peace to the pilots who hit the shield. Um, they're all down on the surface, the U-Wing's there, and they're taking out the ATACTs, and they're, and there's a shot where I think Merrick's still in it, and a couple X-Wings and that U-Wing go like flying, and the camera follows them. And they're flying on Scarif, and there's that little dip, and they fly up. And it is one of the best pure Star Wars moments for me. It's why, like, I love in Attack of the Clones where Lucas does, like, the zooms, the quick zooms uh, on on some of the the clone troopers and the ships and all that kind of, the drop ships and everything. It reminds me of that, just the camera, zooming with these X-Wings. And it takes you back to, for me, uh, being a child and, and getting so into these wars, these rebels against the bad guys, the rebels against the Imperials, before I really, you know, got too caught up in the Imperials having the cooler toys. But the U-Wing is a damn cool toy, and there may be no greater toy than the X-Wing. So the, all that moment is there, but I really think even those moments are set up by Radis and his fleet and his ships jumping out of hyperspace. It is the true beginning of the Rebel Alliance. There's been things before, things in, in, in the Star Wars Rebels, the cartoon series that you would say, hey, there's the Rebel Alliance is striking, some great battles, the Battle of Adelon comes to mind, all those kind of things. Um, as they get to Scarif, a lot of the little Rebel cells have, have done a lot of things, but they're not a cohesive unit yet. 
and this is that moment. And I think it really, boom, Mothma's speech in Rebels when the fleet jumps out and people are going to join her, I think is like the, all right, we got this Rebel Alliance, but then there's still the logistics of trying to get everyone on the same page. And that's why I think Radis is so important. I think he got them on the same page. I think he said, no, we're doing this. We have soldiers out there. They took matters in their own hands. We're here. And when Radis proclaims, I'm Admiral Radis of the Rebel Alliance. He is saying it to the entire galaxy. Fist bumping indeed. Some honorable mentions. Some honorable mentions. I got, a, I got three. Let's see what you guys think. They didn't quite make the list. And I want you guys to add yours as well. Using, using Star Wars ranked. Hashtag Star Wars ranked. Here's some three, uh, three honorable mentions for me. Yoda arrives to fight Dooku. I, I, we've talked about it a lot. Were you there in the theater in 2002 seeing this movie for the first time or the first couple times? The crowds loved this moment. It was fist pumping indeed. Dooku just laid waste to Anakin and Obi-Wan. Man, he kicked their ass. Dooku's got power. And you hear the footsteps and you see that shadow and around comes Yoda. Maybe it wasn't so much a fist pumping moment as it was a hoot and a hollering moment. People were ready for this fight. Over the years, I think people, uh, you know, how they took this fight was a little different. Uh, Yoda jumps around, a lot of screaming, a lot of weird, not my favorite lightsaber fight. I understand that. I can get that. We can have those conversations. But I think that moment of Yoda coming around, and we've been waiting to see Yoda do something like this since 1980 because, you know, he's supposed to be a great warrior. Whether he denies it or not, he did something to have someone think that of him. So here he is, ready to fight Dooku, and I love that moment. Another one? It's a recent one. Very recent. But it gets me excited when I think about it, and I remember the first time I saw it, it got me excited, and then the next couple times I saw the movie, the people with me who hadn't seen it yet got really excited at this particular moment, and some fists were pumped. It is from Solo, a Star Wars story, and it is when Emphis Nest leaps into the battle to take out Dryden Voss's little private army. It's not a big battle. It's not some big giant sequence. I, that I understand. And it's a simple little plot point. Dryden Voss thinks he's got uh, leverage over the our heroes, over the villagers. He's got his little private army. And they pull what I, I jokingly call like the three amigos ploy, where they're all dressed up as they're all in Fist Nest at this point. So when Infus Nest's uh, mask is pulled away to reveal that hey, it's an older female villager sitting there and it's a ruse, I love that moment. But then Infus Nest, boom, jumps into the battle, hitting that sand, poof, goes everywhere. It's a fist-pumping moment. It gets me excited. Like I said, I, I, I remember going, yeah. And the people, the second time I saw it, people with me, uh, you know, friends of my group were, were literally audibly just like, yeah, absolutely. And to me, that is a fist pumping moment. So Infus Nest, leap into action. And I, my final honorable mention here tonight, it's, it's, it's maybe a controversial choice. It's why maybe it didn't make the list, because again, it's similar to the Return of the Jedi throne room sequence and some of those moments that are, are kind of there for fist pumping moments, but not quite what I mean. And it is uh, the reveal that Luke isn't even there. Oh, he ain't on Crate. He's on Octo. He's on his rock. He's floating above his rock. 
He is force projecting like no one else has. I personally love that moment. I love the story of Luke in The Last Jedi, and I love his ending, uh, Peace and Purpose. And we know he's coming back as a Force ghost. We got the big announcement. We're going to talk about it this week on Force Center, the main show, the big show, all the casting news and all that stuff. Luke will be around in some form or another. But I love this moment. When that reveal, when Kylo learns it, sticks the blade in Luke and it goes right through him, and Kylo's mind is kind of bent in that moment. Our minds are bent in that moment as well. It's like, what is happening? Boom. Close up on Luke's straining face, sweat down his brow, long hair still in place, beard still all messy, and you pull out and he is an octo. Floating above that little rock that he was uh, meditating on earlier and reconnecting with the Force. It's a great moment for me as a Star Wars fan, but it is kind of a fist-pumping moment. It got some hoots and hollers and like, yes, I can't believe he did that. It's an honorable mention. Doesn't quite make my list, my top five. I wonder where it falls for you. But now my number one fist-pumping moment in the Star Wars movies. December 2015. The hero's blade is already a key part of the story. We know a lot of people have it, want it, Need it, think it's theirs, but now it is in the snow, sticking out, much like it uh, was back on Hoth in the Wampa Cave. It's a very iconic shot, replayed, remixed, reused. Kylo is injured and hurt, seemingly has defeated Finn. Ray is nowhere to be found. She was tossed up against a tree. Kylo's about to get his blade. His hand goes out. Boof. The lightsaber moves. And I, I for one, was not in that moment not thinking it was going to Kylo. But a lot of us thought it was going to Luke. Because you suddenly remembered, oh, he hasn't even shown up in the story yet. And even Mark Hamill talked about, hey, I thought that was my hero moment. And... There's about 10% of my brain that still would have liked to have seen that. I will admit that. But the rest of my brain, all 90% in, is full buy-in on that blade moving, whipping past Kylo, and going right into the hands of Rey. It was a generational shift in Star Wars. It was important. It was cool. And Star Wars moments need to be cool. And it had weight to it. It had weight in story, and it had weight in the theater for those people watching it. Fists were pumped. Hearts were melted and inspired. Just think for a moment, if you're a young girl, 10 years of age, in that theater in December of 2015, and you look up and you you see Ray getting the blade. Think of that. Think of any young kid seeing that moment play out. I love it. I love that moment. She almost doesn't know what to do with it. Later on, I think Snoke says a lot about that stuff. Even Last Jedi, you were beaten by a girl who had never held a blade. I think all that stuff is okay to say. It's okay to admit. Ray didn't know what she was doing. The Force was in control here. She's got some skills. She knows how to fight. Kylo is hurt. He's injured. He's got... Good old Uncle Chewie's bowcaster bolt just roaming around his hip and his side. 
He's just killed his father. There's a lot of reasons he's broken in two, literally and figuratively. There's a lot of reasons he lost that fight. But in that moment, it doesn't matter. In that moment, Ray is standing tall in the snow on Starkiller Base, holding the hero's blade. That, to me, is the best fit. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.